We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you guess kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Today, we continue our 2022 NFL Draft Recap Series with the second of eight divisional trips. Tonight's stop, the AFC East. How much, if at all, did the Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, and Bills improve in the draft? To answer that basic question and a whole lot more is our good friend Jeff Barnes of Nuts and Bolts Sports. Jeff, it is a pleasure to have you back with us as always. How are you, my man? Listen, I'm always glad to come on, Dave. It's always great chatting up some uh, draft talk with you. Absolutely. You're a brilliant football mind, and it's always good talking the draft and football in general. And let's start with this New York Jets draft class. And the Jets, I believe, had one of the best draft halls in the entire NFL this year, at least top two in my eye. They're like literally neck and neck with that of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And we will discuss the uh, Ravens draft class on a future episode. But now to the Jets, who with the fourth overall pick, addressed their gaping hole at the cornerback position with Sauce Gardner. While it typically takes corners two to three years to break out in the NFL, we did see Patrick Sertan II emerge in the eyes of many as a top 10 player at the position during his rookie year last season. And Sauce Garner is similar in several ways to Sertan, as both were compared by respected analysts to Richard Sherman. Can you see Sauce Garner making a similar impact for the Jets his rookie year as Patrick Sertan did for the Broncos? Absolutely. I think what you're going to see is an improved pass rush, which is definitely going to help him out. Um, in a big way, you know, it's going to be a different game for him. You know, at Cincinnati, um, the scheme kind of helped them out where he didn't have to be locked down all the time. They like to run zone in San, well, in San Francisco when, um, the, when the head coach was there. Now they, with the Jets, he's running a very similar scheme. So he's going to have a mix of man and zone. He's going to get to play to his strengths. He's going to get to use his size. I think overall, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. He's going to give up that touchdown. He didn't give up in college. Um, how he deals with that. I think he has the strong enough mentality to handle that. I think overall, we may see a, a, one of those up and down beginnings to a season for him, but once he gets on to the NFL speed, um, the NFL level, the increased uh, route running ability of NFL receivers, I think he's going to be just fine. Oh, definitely. I am personally very, very bullish on Sauce Connor. He is going to do the Jets wonders, not just on the field, but in that locker room with that mentality of his. And uh, we're going to talk about that improved pass rush in just a moment. But before we do, at 10 overall, the Jets gave Zach Wilson another weapon in Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Obviously no relation, but, uh, you know, there's obviously something appealing about a Wilson to Wilson connection. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyways, before the draft, some were saying that Drake London would have been the best possible wide receiver for the Jets to pick because his skill set perfectly complements those of Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. That said, we all know the Falcons obviously selected Drake London two slots earlier. But nonetheless, I personally believe that Garrett Wilson was a very, very good pick for the Jets uh, at that 10th overall spot. Uh, what does Garrett Wilson bring to the table that Elijah Moore and Corey Davis do not? Um, yeah, and he's a, he's a player that gives you that elite um, athlete with the ball in his foot in his hands, but overall, he gives you a high upside when it comes to route running ability. He's not a finished product as a route runner. He's that kind of player that's going to be highly efficient catching the football on routes all over the football field. He's going to stretch defenses, something that Davis struggles to do consistently. Um, Elijah Moore has that ability to do that. Um, but overall, you're talking about the guys, you don't have a hundred yard, a hundred 
pass a hundred catch receiver on that on that uh, roster right now, he gives you the ability to got to give you that guy's gonna get the 80, 90 catches a year, definitely a thousand yard receiver, and the guy that's gonna get you double digit touchdowns once he figures it all out. Oh, absolutely. And another uh, intriguing uh, part of Garrett Wilson's game is even though he's just barely above six, six feet tall, he is a 50-50 ball machine. He like turns mm. those 50-50 balls into like uh, 95-5 balls, if you know what I mean, doesn't he? Absolutely. You know, he has that high rising ability, you know, and you talk about it. He does. He's not that big uh, receiver like Drake London is who has that ability as well. But he has the um, explosiveness in his game, not only explosiveness speed wise, but the ability to uh, out jump a defender, something that we've seen um, some of the other receivers do it. Uh, His teammate Olave has shown that ability from time to time, not consistently, but overall, when you talk about Garrett Wilson, he has a lot of untapped potential and because, you know, there are so many guys ahead of those guys ahead of him specifically. Um, but he was a great compliment to, to Chris Olave. And overall, he gets to be a great compliment now to Davis and he's going to be eventually their number one. Oh, absolutely. And I would expect uh, him to uh, be a trusted target for Zach Wilson very, very early uh, this season. And uh, you alluded to the jets improved pass rush and just how big is that potential of that unit? Well, let's just uh, talk about this right now. The Jets potentially struck gold as Florida State edge pass rusher Jermaine Johnson, a player they highly, highly, highly considered picking at that 10th overall spot, fell all the way to the mid-20s, and they were able to successfully trade back up into the first to select him. And just look at this Jets defensive line right now. You have Quinnen Williams, who's a star in the making at defensive tackle, and Sheldon Rankins inside, along with a three-man edge rotation featuring Carl Lawson, who's coming back from injury, but when healthy, he is very, very talented. The extremely underrated John Franklin Myers, Doug Ferrara, the uh, USA Today Touchdown Wire, um, uh, wrote a piece uh, on underrated players, and he was uh, glowing in his comments about John Franklin Myers. And now you got Jermaine Johnson. Would you be surprised if this Jets defensive line is regarded as the best such unit in the NFL either later this season or sometime in, say, 2023? I don't know about best, but they will definitely be one of the deepest. And when you talk about this rush, um, we talked about, I think Johnson was a steal when they got him. He's a guy I, I had going to them at 10. Uh, the fact that he fell all the way down to the back end of the round, they were able to trade up and get him again. It was an amazing move. Credit to uh, Joe Douglas for doing that move. Um, but also, you got to look later in the draft. Michael Clemens was a great steal because that gives him that situational edge rusher that can come in with the speed off the edge. He's not the biggest guy. He's not going to play um, 50 to 60 snaps. He's going to be that 20 to 30 snap guy that's going to get them some excellent speed off the edge to um, complement the guys they already have. So overall, they're going to be a, a, a pass rush that's going to send a lot of talented waves of bodies at you. That's going to wear your offensive line down because there's not going to be any fall off in energy coming from those pass rushers. Oh, waves of pass rushers. Broncos fans have been hearing that language from their coaching staff. And uh, I'm sure the Jets fans will be hearing a similar language from their coaching staff because they have bodies, as you said. And uh, in the second round, the Jets traded up again to select arguably the best running back in this draft in Iowa State's Brees Hall. And I am a big, big Brees Hall fan. He has a Matt Forte upside. But Michael Carter, who the Jets took in the fourth round of last year's draft, he's no slouch either. He's very talented himself. How do you see those two splitting the workload this season? 
I think what you're going to see is an excellent dynamic with both of those guys. You know, we know Carter's that grinder. Uh, so you're going to have a guy that's going to be able to go in there and grind out yards when Brees Hall's not in there. And Brees Hall's going to give you that guy that's going to slash and dash, give you some big runs. He's going to give you uh, yards out of the backfield. He's going to give you a lot of what Carter doesn't give you. So he's a perfect complement to Michael Carter. And it, it definitely takes some of the uh, wear and tear off of Carter. It'll, it'll definitely lengthen his career uh, because one of the things he does is he takes quite a bit of hits. So um, it's going to give them a nice dynamic in that backfield. It's going to help take some of the pressure off the young quarterback, having that, ex that extremely talented running game behind them. And overall, when you look at the Jets' backfield, with Brees Hall back there, he's a guy who's going to line up in the backfield, run for yards. He's going to come out of the backfield, take advantage of a mismatch with a linebacker. And he's also going to line up out in the slot or even wide at times. So he's going to give you a lot of different things that Carter doesn't give you. Definitely. And now moving on to the Miami Dolphins, who, thanks to the Tyreek Hill trade, their cover of picks was very, very bare, if not totally bare, as they did not pick until 102 overall. But I personally think they landed excellent value at that spot by selecting Georgia linebacker Channing Tindall. What were your thoughts on this pick? And do you think Channing Tindall will eventually outplay that draft slot? I think he will. I, I think he landed in the right situation. I think he's going to be um, highly counted on to be one of the anchors for that defense for a long period of time. I think for Channing Tindall, now playing with less talent around him, it's going to be more about um, can he handle being the guy, being the guy that's going to get schemed for, being the guy that's going to get purposely hit on every play because you're not going to have the bodies around you that you had at Georgia to kind of protect you a little. Um, but overall, I think he's going to be an ex excellent player that's going to be in that defense for a very long time. I think he's going to be one of those guys, even if he's not a pro bowler, you're going to be talking about every time we uh, turn on a Dolphins game, you're going to be talking about the linebackers to watch for is going to be Channing Tindall. Absolutely. I cannot wait to see how uh, Channing Tindall develops uh, in Miami alongside that pretty talented Miami Dolphins defense. Granted, it's not uh, Georgia talented, but it's pretty damn talented. And now on to the New England Patriots. And this was a draft class that got panned by many, if not most, in the national media. But when you peel back the layers, you definitely understand it a lot more. And they began their controversial draft hall by selecting guard Cole Strange out of Chattanooga with the 29th overall pick. While I was somewhat surprised by the pick, I wasn't totally shocked. Many, and I mean many on Bears Twitter, including friend of the pod Jacob Infante of Windy City Gridiron and former Bears college scouting director Greg Gabriel, they were hyping Strange up as an early round two target for the Bears. Yet others, most notably the Rams brass, as uh, evidenced by that hilarious press conference at the end of the first round, uh, they thought he'd be available in the late third. What was your pre-draft evaluation on Cole Strange, and do you think he'll be worth this pick in the long run? Um, my pre-draft evaluation of Cole Strange is a um, athletic, talented center overall that's going to have some issues at first with big bodies on his nose. Um, I think overall, when you look at his ability to get second level, make second level box, uh, he's a smart center who can actually make calls at the line of scrimmage, which is something that they love in New England about him. Um, I think overall, the biggest challenge for him is going to be when they line that big body on his head, um, when he's forced to block a bigger body, because one of the things he did have problems with on tape was at times power. Um, but that's kind of quite common with a lot of the centers we're getting nowadays that are more athletic than just the big broad bodies. So overall, he's one of those guys that's going to fit right into what New England does. He's a 
eventually going to get stronger. I think he's going to like Travis Frederick and some of the other young guys that came into the league that had those issues. They're going to get better at some point. Um, but overall, I think he's going to fit right in with New England. What they do is going to be immediately, immediately help the inside of that interior line because of his uh, intelligence. Once he gets used to seeing what uh, NFL defenses are throwing at him constantly. And overall, I think he's going to be one of those guys that um, we talk about protecting Mac Jones for most of his career. Absolutely. And uh, the Patriots uh, selected a, a guard uh, from Fresno state, I believe named Logan Mankins uh, back in the day uh, <laughs> at the similar juncture of the draft. And uh, this uh, could be very, very similar value here uh, with Cole strange. And in the second round, the Patriots traded up four spots to select speedy Baylor wide receiver, Tyquan Thornton. Now, many will highlight Bill Belichick's poor track record of drafting wide receivers, and understandably so, but I think this pick can be different because one of Mac Jones's biggest strengths is his deep ball, and getting him someone like Tyquan Thornton will allow him to unleash that part of his game far more often. Do you think that Tyquan Thornton is an ideal target for Mac Jones in the passing game for those reasons I uh, just listed? I think he's a, a big pickup for them because he gives them a dynamic that they just do not have with the Nikhil Harry's and all the guys they have on the roster. They don't have that dynamic speed. Now, the question about uh, Thornton is always going to be, is his speed his only real threat in his game? I think overall, you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of creativity with him in the, in the playbook. Uh, I think it would have been more had McDaniels not left, but I think overall, you're going to see things that, they did in college with him at Baylor translated over to the NFL. You're going to see the deep routes. Yes. You're going to see a lot of move motion and stuff with him. You're going to see jet sweeps. I think they're going to get him the ball on some jet sweeps and use that speed to help supp to supplement their running game. Of course, the screen game, but overall, I think they're going to utilize his best asset, which is the speed while he doesn't have the most polished route tree out there right now. I think it was a little bit of reach at the, on draft day. And I said that in our coverage, I thought it was a bit of a reach that I thought there were way better receivers still on the board, but overall I see the sense that it makes for their receiving core that they don't have that dynamic receiver with, with that uh, rip the top off the defense immediately. Um, and that's something he brings to the table. I mean, we, we know about the 40 time, but even at Baylor, you saw it on the field. He's a fast player that can stretch the football field inconsistent at times um, with hands, but overall route running ability has room for growth. And I think overall they'll find ways to utilize him and get him involved right away. Not just, and I, he may end up returning some kicks with him as well. Ooh, that is an interesting dynamic because in the third round, the Patriots added another weapon in Marcus Jones out of Houston. And though Jones mm -hmm. might've played corner in college, he was primarily known for his electric skills in the return game. Mm -hmm. And moreover, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com, who is from Houston and is more familiar with the Houston Cougar football program than most of us, he tweeted shortly after that pick was made that we should not be surprised whatsoever to see Bill Belichick give Marcus Jones his fair share of reps at wide receiver. And he added that Marcus Jones was, quote, unguardable when given a similar opportunity down at Houston. Can you see the Patriots having a package of plays for Marcus Jones on offense this year? If, if they if they believe that he can um, be effective, I think one of the things we talk about, we see the athleticism, but are certain, some of those guys effective? We've seen a lot of guys who are DBs get those packages in offense, route running ability, reading coverage, are not exactly the greatest things in the world when you're, you're not used to doing that on a regular, so at the NFL level. So I think they may try it, and, and, and especially in training camp, that's the best time to try it. You got nothing to lose. Um, but overall, 
I see it as they wanted to add some speed to that defense. He's not going to be the answer for J.C. Jackson leaving. I believe the guy after him, the other Jones, is going to be the guy that they're going to try to use as the answer for J.C. Jackson leaving. I think what they're going to do is they're going to utilize him in a slot. They're going to utilize him in a lot of different ways on defense. And they're going to utilize, if they have a chance to fit him in in some packages on offense where they can use his speed and elusiveness, definitely they're going to do that. I think overall, the return game is going to be big for him. And overall, they have a plan for him on defense. I believe that when I, when I saw the pick, I, like I said, I thought it was a bit of a reach, but I saw the pick and I thought, this is a guy that they have a plan for on that defense. Most definitely. Bill Belichick definitely deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to selecting uh, corners. And now on to the team that many, if not most, are picking to win the Super Bowl this season, the Buffalo Bills. And in the Mm -hmm. first round, they traded up two spots to address what was the final glaring hole on their stacked roster, that cornerback spot opposite Tredavious White. And they filled that void with Kair Elam out of Florida. Does Kair Elam immediately upgrade that position? And if so, why? He he improves that position just based on the fact that it gives you two corners with the ability to play with length, to play physical, and they're very sticky in coverage. Elam had all of that ability and then some at Florida. The one question is, does he have enough top-end speed to match up with the NFL-level receivers uh, on crossing routes down the field um, and to cover them all over the field in man coverage? I think they they definitely added that. I think he's going to bring that attitude. He's going to match what you got with White on the other side. And I think overall, when you look at what he brings to the table, he's a, definitely a big improvement for that defense in the secondary. Now it's just a matter of what is it um, that front look like in front of those two guys? Because basically the, the secondary is getting better, especially on the cornerback level. Um, the safeties not going to match them in talent wise, but they're going to overall, you don't need it when you have that kind of talent and in, in overall on defense. Absolutely. And uh, you brought up a concern about uh, top end speed. Uh, that is especially apparent in this division going against those dolphins receivers and Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. And uh, he mm-hmm. might have some trouble with them early on. Yeah. And he's going to have his struggles. Like we talked about with Gardner, those guys are going to have to adjust you know, what you see in college is not what you see in the NFL. You know, I haven't played against some of the guys who've been in NFL training camps when I played against other receivers. And then those guys, I saw the difference. Okay. Uh, the guys that are there, there's a big difference. And they're going to, they're going to realize that it's not, yeah, the SEC is great, but that's not the SEC in the NFL. Everybody is above that level. So they're going to see guys, they're going to see schemes. They're going to see a lot of things that are going to challenge them. They're going to see routes that they didn't get a chance to get their hands on in college. It's going to confuse them the first couple of times. Once they get a feel for the speed of the game, once they get a feel for the way offenses uh, play at the next level, it's not all fast, quick offenses. The NFL is very methodical. They're going to realize what offensive coordinators are trying to do, how they're trying to get matched them up and, and play to their weaknesses. So they're going to get a chance to, after about four or five games to really, really evaluate themselves, start to see how teams are attacking them, what they can do to cover up those weaknesses that teams are trying to attack and play to their strengths. And that's, and he has that ability. The athleticism was there. It's just a matter of for those guys to understand how to apply those skills to the NFL level where they'll be successful. And I think they'll do that after a few games. Absolutely. And in the second round with the 63rd overall pick, the bills added yet another weapon for Josh Allen in Georgia running back, James cook Dalvin's younger brother and mm-hmm. cook may be a running back, 
but he lined up out wide for Georgia many, many, many times. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, uh, shortly after this pick was made, he warned on television that AFC East linebackers are going to be having nightmares with James Cook now in the fold in Buffalo. How does James Cook make this high-powered Bills offense even more dangerous? He gives them a weapon that they haven't had out of the backfield. We know what they've had with Singletary. We know what they've had with Moss. And those guys are not James Cook. Now, I think he was a little bit overdrafted. I think there were better backs on the board when he got taken. Um, I didn't have as high a grade on him as they did, obviously. But now, however, he does bring a dynamic that they didn't have. And we talk about it. You want that complement of running backs. Nobody's really going with that one running back as their guy anymore. They're going with a committee approach. Well, he adds something that those other backs don't have. So give him credit. They're going to bring in a guy that's going to bring a lot of speed to this uh, backfield. He's going to give him a lot of versatility. But overall, he's not a guy you're going to want to rely on with the lion's share of carries in this backfield. You're going to have to evenly distribute it. Otherwise, he's going to be injured and he's going to break down. So he's one of those guys you're going to have to you're going to moderate his workload as far as carries, working, getting him the ball in space a lot more, um, keeping him to about 10 to 12 carries a game. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, just uh, 10 to 12 uh, carries uh, in the running game for James Cook, but uh, the passing game is where he's going to make his money. As Daniel Jeremiah said, just put him on a linebacker and it's good night. And uh, continuing with this Bills draft for a moment, one of my personal favorite day three picks of this entire draft was the Bills' selection of Boise State wide receiver Khalil Shakir. And granted, mm -hmm. Khalil Shakir, he's entering a very crowded room with obviously Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis and now Jamison Crowder. And just a couple days ago, Tavon Austin was uh, added to this uh, receiver room in Buffalo. But that said, do you think he should be able to stick around and eventually become a trusted target for Josh Allen in certain situations long term? Absolutely. Well, you don't have too many weapons in that offense similar to what Gabriel Davis brings to the table. Well, now you have Khalil Shakir, who actually has some of those traits. So bringing him into the fold gives you that other burner receiver who has some size to him, and it allows you to play a little more vertical. It allows you to play a little more faster. It allows you to get – it opens up a lot more for Dicks because now you take out the Beasley element, who is more that shallow receiver, the guy that's going to get you the underneath work. That can be more Diggs's role. That can be more adult, um, the tight end Knox's role. These guys are going to help open up down the field. And that's where Shakir is going to come in. You're not going to expect him to catch 50 balls this year, but I expect him to catch 20 to 30. And you want him to have a nice uh, 10 to 12 yard average. He is Jeff Barnes of Nuts and Bolts Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Barnes29. Thank you so much as always for joining us, Jeff. But before he lets you go, uh, we want to uh, discuss some players, either drafted or undrafted free agent, from each team that we have not discussed yet that you think will have a very successful NFL career, starting with the New York Jets. Well, you already talked about Michael Clemens, so can you think of another uh, guy they drafted or UDFA they signed that uh, you think uh, can uh, have a long career in the NFL? Um, well, let's talk about Jeremy Rucker. You know, one of the tight ends that I liked, you know, a lot of people had up and down their boards, depending on who you ask. Overall, you're talking about one of the better blockers in this class. You talk about one of the guys who's a solid pass catcher, very effective in a red zone, perfect complement to the guy that they signed from Cincinnati. So expect a lot of two tight end sets with uh, the Jets, with both of those guys on the field. Once he gets uh, acclimated to that offense, expect some touchdowns out of Jeremy Rucker. Yes, and what about the Dolphins? With the limited picks, 
I think what you're going to look at with them is it's going to be, I'm not, I'm, I think this, the guy that's going to make the biggest impact is going to be Cameron Good. Uh, I think overall you're going to see him stick around on special teams, maybe on, on a practice squad, but eventually he's going to sneak onto this roster and make an impact for them. Once again, we talk about a guy who's going to be that worker B. He's not going to be that pro bowler, but overall he's going to be a guy that so you're going to wonder how did he stick around? People are going to forget where he came from in the beginning. But Cameron Good is another quality linebacker who's going to, going to be one of that blue-collar guys that sticks around on the roster, that Alex Anzalone-type player who's been in the league. He's been in there that long? Yes, he's been in that long because he's a worker and he makes plays. Yep, those are the guys you take on day three. And uh, the Patriots? I think the guy that makes the most sense when you talk about the uh, New England Patriots Um once again, we, we talked about one Jones. It's got to be the other. We talked about J.C. Jackson leaving. Well, this is the guy that's going to make the biggest difference for him. He's going to step up in his defense, and he's going to get the lion's share of those reps on the outside on that corner. So I expect him to, once again, have his struggles early. But overall, you're going to be talking about by the time you get to year three and year three, four, are they going to be able to keep this guy? Because they're going to people are going to like him a lot. Yep, the second of the Jones brothers that the Patriots drafted could have an even bigger impact at that cornerback position than Marcus Jones. And last but not least, the Bills. Okay, so the Bills talking, let's go all the way back to day three, all the way back to round six, offensive lineman Luke Tenuta. Okay, the name sounds familiar because, yes, we're talking about, I believe he's the son or the nephew, I forget which one it is, of the comedian Judy Tenuta. Well, here's a lineman who's going to, once again, we talk about guys that kind of way is sticking on a roster and having a very long career. That's going to be Luke Tenuta. He's going to be a guy that, that fits in. He's going to be a depth player in the beginning, which is why he was drafted where he was drafted, very offensive lineman draft. But overall, he's a player that's going to come in. He's going to compete at guard, I think, more than tackle. I think he's going to be able to come in. Uh, if he doesn't earn a roster spot, he'll be on, a, on a, a practice squad for a year before he gets his roster spot. And then overall, he could be a guy that fits in and it becomes an eventual starter at some point for this team. He is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, nuts and bolts sports and cover two draft.com. That is cover the digit two draft.com. Jeff, thank you so much once again for joining us as always. And that's it for today here on sports crunch, but our recaps of the 2022 NFL draft classes will continue very soon. Also, please, please, please don't forget that our Beyond the Chap series with the 2022 Denver Broncos cheerleaders returns in just a few weeks with my good friends, Alexandria and Sophia. They are two very, 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 very inspiring women, and you do not want to miss it. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Jeff Barnes, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, Choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose empathy, and keep the people of Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, and the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts, prayers, and whatever actions possible. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. <laughs>